Well, I want to tell you that this morning has already just launched with a tremendous celebration. And really for me, this whole weekend, uh, just personally, obviously I have so much more history and, and so much more just invested that I want to share with you this morning. But I was even just given the surprise this weekend of my kids. I have two in college that flew home just to be part of this celebration. Didn't know that was happening. I was surprised with that. And so it's just been a great, great weekend. A great weekend. One of the traditions in our family is that on the eve of every anniversary since this church began, we go back and we watch recap videos of different anniversary services, student camps, missions trips, and we just we look at faces and we look at children that are now grown into young adults, and we look at families that have come and gone. We share good stories, we share hard stories, and we just remember all that God has done. In 2009, I met with the executive pastor uh, of a, a local church here, uh, who then went on to be a, a um, kind of a, an overseer of a network out of Dallas, Texas. And so as I sat with him, he began to tell me about leading a church in Orlando, Florida. And as I sat with him, I had this very journal that I was holding him moments ago, and I began to write down everything that he was saying in our conversation, and he began to tell me, hey, Tim, I want you to know that most new churches in Orlando do not make it past three years. He said, I want you to know that when you start this church, if you ever reach 100 people, we would look back upon that and go, hey, that was a successful church. And I remember thinking, like, that sounds so minimal. That, that, that sounds so hard. That sounds so difficult. Like, I may not be here for three years, but I'm going to move my whole family here to be part of something brand new. And then he said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you just to let God speak to you. Drive around. And so we met out here in Waterford, and I began to drive down Avalon Park Boulevard. And I remember looking at the houses, and I mean, man, like, there's a lot of houses out here. And then I remember turning off on a street, and I took a right, and then I took a left, and then a right, and then I got lost. And I remember going, there's houses and streets everywhere back here. And I drove over into Eastwood and over near Stony Brook and up through Waterford and up into Ovidio and around toward Chiliota and just all around. And as I began to drive around that day, tears began to come down my face. I began to look around at all of the houses, and I thought, God, how are we supposed to reach all these people? Who will want to be a part of this? Who will even care about what we're doing? What will it take? And so when we arrived, we were willing to do whatever it took to tell people about this. We wanted everyone to know, like, listen, God is doing something in us, and he was doing it through us. And he wants you to be a part of it. And so if I was at the, the, the cashier in the grocery store, hey, I, my name's Tim. I just moved here from Atlanta, Georgia, and we're here to start a church. And some people are like, that's great. Other people are like, that's okay. If we were in a coffee shop, we told the barista every morning, because that's where I spend my life at Chick-fil-A, I would tell all the employees, hey, we're here to start a church. Anywhere we could go, when my kids got in sports, we wanted their coaches and their teammates. We wanted all of them to know. And anytime we had an event, we were willing to do whatever it took. I remember early on as we had church events, I would take my kids at the ages of six and at eight, and we would go through some of your neighborhoods. You had no idea, and we would place cards on doors, inviting people. This is my daughter who's now in college. 
when she's about seven years old, walking through the streets of Avalon, house by house, just wanting to let people know, hey, there's a church here, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. And what we began to realize is that what we did, as often as we did it, it mattered. All of it mattered. It mattered in year one, and it still matters today in year 12. I was reading a quote last week that really just popped off the pages to me as I've been thinking about what God wants to do in year 12. It said this, in the first two centuries, talking about the church, the the people of God, the people following Jesus, in the first two centuries, in the history of the church, it was not Christian worship that attracted outsiders. It was Christians who attracted them. And the outsiders found the Christian attractive because of their Christian lives, which worship had helped to form. I love that because there's a bunch of people like they're, atta- they're attracted to church. They're attracted to worship. They're attracted to a once a week, one hour of the week experience where they want it to be good. They want it to sound good. They want it to be inspiring. But then they want to go out the rest of the week and do whatever they want to do. And this quote reminds us that when the early church was birthed and it swept across the world and it changed the world in such a way that back then what they were doing has affected all of us right here, right now because the gospel was taken. It was their lives, their Christian lives that mattered. And there are a bunch of people who were really good at claiming Christianity as a religion, not living as Christians and a relationship with Jesus. It's really easy to be attracted to Christian worship. Just don't invade my life or my space the rest of the week. And when I think about the words of Jesus, Jesus was the one that said, your life, he worded it this way, your good deeds. You hear good deeds and you think, well, I'm not supposed to earn my way to heaven. You can't. You cannot earn your way to heaven. It is a gift from God given freely. God does not bless earning, but God does bless effort. And so what the scriptures tells us and what the very words of Jesus tells us is that our good deeds, the way that we live, do one thing and have one purpose. They allow people to see them and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your life is supposed to be so attractive that when people watch it and they see your marriage and they see how you raise your kids and they see how you act in a dating relationship and they see how you act on social media, your life is so attractive that it brings glory to God. And so we've had this statement for years and and at one point I think I just fumbled into it. We we said, listen, we're not going to be defined by four walls. And there was a bunch of people like, yes. That's great. I want to be a part of something like that. Like that really inspires me because it's not about a building. And what I've realized over the years is that although that statement is really the foundation principle for everything that we do as a church, we will not let the four walls of a structure define us. What we have to keep in front of us is that when we gather as a church, it does form us. We are formed when we come together so that we can go outside and be defined by how we live outside these walls. And what I found over the last few years, there was a bunch of people like, yes, not defined by four walls. You know what that means? I don't have to come inside of them. 
Because the church can be wherever it's supposed to be, so I don't need to gather. I can go, do, be, spend my time, whatever I do, however I want. And I think that what we're going to discover in the scriptures is that God was looking for a lot more than what we sometimes offer him. And what we begin to realize is that when we gather together, we get to do things none of us get to do alone. None of us can do by ourselves. So as a church, we often tell you about like the outreach that's happening beyond the four walls. We celebrate things. We let you know like God is doing this in us and God is doing this through us. And, and, and so we share with you like when we go down a straight street and we feed the homeless and we invite you to come out and be a part of that or join our ministry meals team and provide food. Like it's not just because it's a good church program. We believe with all our heart we should be with the people that God's heart is broken for. And when you come out and you're part of Straight Street, it reminds you that this city has brokenness inside of it. Most of the week you would drive right by those people and ignore them. But for a moment, you step into the world and you provide a meal and you bring your children along. Just this last time we went down, I was talking with someone that was so taken back that there were children out there, children serving them. And I tell people all the time, like as a parent, to get your kids in front of poverty and brokenness and people in need and allow them to serve and already experience that at such a young age when they're being molded and shaped into the people you want them to become. Step into that. There's so much more happening than just come on out with the church when you begin to learn the purpose and the reason and the bigger picture behind all of it. We celebrate things like Camp Bahamas, that, that when you're here, you're helping us provide camp for a place. And so we take the team, and we show pictures, and, and we tell you all about it. And they give testimony. You go, man, my church, like, we're, we're getting to be a part of stuff. This is the known outreach of our church. And then sometimes there's the unknown. Maybe because we forget to celebrate it as often as we should. Maybe just because it happens in the DNA and the fabric of who we are. Like many of you didn't know that just because you're here today, just because you're watching online today, when you give, we will send money this week, this month, to our partner church in Brazil. And for about 11 years, they have been offering martial arts classes to about 40 students every semester where they bring them into the church they give them instruction. They feed them because they probably didn't eat that day. And then they love on them and they share God's word with them. And that has been happening every week for 11 years because you give to this church. When you gave at Christmas to the gift offering, those watching online, when you gave to the gift offering, our partner church in Brazil called us and they said, listen, there's 17 million people in this city. It's the eighth largest city in the world. 50% live in extreme poverty. They're not just poor, extreme poverty. And the pandemic has just ravished their lives. We're trying to feed them. Could you help us? And we were able to send a couple thousand dollars to give groceries for a month for a hundred families because you're here, because you're part of this. Because your giving and your generosity and your commitment and your faithfulness is far bigger than all of us. And so while I've been celebrating this week and I've been remembering all the good things that God has been doing, I've also been wrestling in turmoil. 
I've been in mourning and heartache and brokenness because on Wednesday, I got a text that one of the young girls in Brazil, a 20-year-old, suddenly died on a street corner. This young girl, Maida, has been with us for 11 years. We met her when she was about nine years old, her and her twin sister. They've been part of every trip we've ever shown up on. She's been involved in the church, worked with the children, worked with the youth group. And as I'm, as I'm messaging and Google translating what, what I have to say to her sister, who's heartbroken, who's a twin, who, who, who are being raised by their single mom, who's telling me for the first time no one knows this, but my dad left us when we were six years old. He abandoned us, and up to that point, he had been abusing us and sexually abusing us the whole time. She said, I don't know what to do. I've lost a piece of me. She began to write back, but all my sister did was talk about the people at Genesis and the trips and you guys coming. And so I said, well, how can we help? And I asked the pastor, and he said, listen, in Brazil, we have to bury people in 24 hours. They don't embalm them. So she was alive one morning, and by the next day in 24 hours, she was being put in a box in the hillside and buried. And because of your generosity, we said, listen, we'll cover all funeral expenses. There are things happening that we can tell you about. There are things we don't always get to tell you about. But when we come together, what we get to declare is that all together we can do together what none of us can do alone. That's the beauty of the church. And when you isolate yourself from it or you go your separate ways and you start to live in your individual life, you miss the bigger picture of God's people coming together. The biblical understanding of what God wants to do in his people and through his people. And now we're doing something. Something impacting. in the people's lives here in our city and across the world. When I think about 2022... I think about what Jesus told his very disciples. He said, come follow me. And so this past year in 2021, we talked about what it means all year long to come follow Jesus. What does it mean to take the yoke of Jesus, his instructions, his teachings, take them upon you and to live them out? But Jesus didn't just say, come follow me. He turned around and told them, go into the world. There's a whole bunch of us. We love the Christian worship experience. We love coming to Jesus. You're invited to come to Jesus. But we are, not, we are not comfortable. We don't always like being told that our life all week long is a display of Jesus. And some of us are like, yeah, but I, I don't want to go and do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. Like, like Tim, we're still trying to work our way through this pandemic in a, in a time where everybody's supposed to separate and everybody's supposed to hide behind a mask and then you're telling us we're supposed to go and I would tell you that the enemy will use everything, everything possible to stop people from finding out about Jesus. He'll use this pandemic. And so as I was praying this, this past year, I pulled all the pastors in a room and I said, listen, I'm, I'm wrestling through a passage of scripture that I'm just stuck in. And I believe this is what God is really wanting us to, to focus on and see for this upcoming year as a church. That, that 12 years in, he is just beginning to do something with us. We're not here just celebrating all that he's done and just going, life is good. We're here because what he's done has just continued to lay the foundation and the stepping stones for what he wants to do. 
And so in Romans chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you're watching online and you have your Bible or a Bible app, you can turn there. If you don't have either, we put it on the screen for you. But Paul's writing, listen to who he's writing to. He's writing to a bunch of people who have found out about Jesus, that want to follow Jesus, and they're trying to figure out, what does this mean for me? Like, if I follow Jesus, what does this mean for my life? And so he tells them first, he says this, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. I love that. You know why I underlined that? No distinction? Because it reminds us that it's about everyone. Your color of skin doesn't matter. Where you came from doesn't matter. That's the beauty of the church is that God is bringing us all together for a purpose and a reason. He says, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And then he says this, Paul says this, for everyone, everyone, there's no one excluded from this, who calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. Like that's, that's just good. That's amazing. Everyone who calls on Jesus can be saved. And then Paul writes this, and this is where I begin to just land for weeks. He says, but there's a problem. How will they call on him who they haven't believed? They don't, they, they don't know even about God or Jesus. How can they even call on him? How do they know what they're calling on? He says, and, and how are they to believe if they've never heard? So wait, wait, they need to know and they need to hear. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We'll come back to that. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Paul says, how is everyone supposed to call on him and find salvation if they don't believe? And how are they to believe if they've never heard? Okay, well, like, just tell me. How are they going to hear it? Well, how are they going to hear unless someone's preaching? Let's, guess what? This is what you do. You see this right here. You see this word, preaching, and you hear that word when I read it, and you look at me and go, that's your job because you're the pastor. You're, you're, you're the one preaching. You're, it's your job to tell everybody, all of them. Everybody, it's your job. Paul wasn't writing to preachers. Paul was writing to people who wanted to follow Jesus. What you begin to realize is that everything you do preaches. Amen. Every word you speak preaches. Every post you make preaches. Everything you do when you claim you follow Jesus now preaches about Jesus. And people, outsiders, others who don't believe, who haven't heard, they're now listening to your life. And what your life does matters and has an impact. And then he says, listen, I can tell you you need to be preaching, but how are you to preach unless you're sent? Send Tim, send PJ, send Chad, don't send Johnny. I'm just kidding. <laughs> unless they're sent. And then he writes this. He says, as it is written, and he is, he is quoting the prophet Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. Now, let me tell you something. I hate feet. <laughs> like, there's not a video. There's not a picture. Like, you can show me that I'm just like, 
like feet. And, I, and I'll tell you in the weeks to come, like I worked at a shoe store for, for a long time. I don't like feet. And so I read this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I've got all types of thoughts. But what I realize and what is true is that what God is saying is, listen, there's people who need to call on me and they can't believe because they haven't heard what you've heard. And they haven't heard what you've heard because there are people not willing to preach, to teach, to share, to display. And the people are not willing to preach because they're not willing to be sent. But I will look at you and tell you that if you're one of the few that are willing, I will look at you and say, man, those are beautiful feet on that human being who's willing to carry the good news of Jesus to the world. God says, listen, all around us, there's people waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm just looking for a few people who are willing to say, here am I, send me. I'm that serious about the God that I serve. What that means and what that looks like, there's some of you, you know, you're practical. You're like, hey, well, then, like, how can I just, how can I do this? How can I walk this out? I, I would say first and foremost, just simply for a moment, you can pray. And, and I don't mean just like, well, what I pray? You pray this year, God, give me a person in my life I'm supposed to share the good news of Jesus with. And I don't know who, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm just going to pray. You're going to open the door this year for me to begin to share the good news of Jesus, the God that I follow, the God that I claim, the one that I'm going to spend eternity with, the one I want my friends and family to come with. Just, just give me somebody. So you pray. You pray and you ask God to, to, to do that. The second thing is this. You get involved. Just get involved. And, and it sounds so simple, and you go, well, you're making about the church. No, I can tell you story after story after story after story 12 years in. I can tell you about our ministry, Commission 127, that we partner with, where we love on fostering families being led by a family that fostered and adopted, and how one of the families that got involved in that ministry turned around this fall, and they began to foster because they got involved and because they were serving, and because they were ministering, it began to speak to them, not just what they were doing, but the next step they needed to take, and they began to foster themselves just by loving on fostering families. I would say, take the opportunities that are given to you. This, this past week, we had a, a new guest attend last Sunday. I don't know if they're in this service or the last service. And so they were asked, well, how did you find out about Genesis? And this was their response. Well, like there was a yard sale sign type thing at the front of my neighborhood. And so we just thought we'd check it out. Now, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. Back, back in December, we brought up these yard sale signs that say Genesis Church, where it's located. And we just said, hey, we've printed like 40, 50 of these. Take one. Take it, put it in the trunk of your car. When you get up on Sunday and you come to church, put it outside your neighborhood. When you come home from church, pick it up and put it in your trunk and you just be responsible for it. Let people know, I'm going to church today. Someone did it. And someone saw it. And someone showed up because someone was willing to just take the opportunity. Just share. Just share. Those watching online, like, like you don't know how many people come to us and they go, this is how I found out about Genesis. A friend of mine was watching, was online, and their friend posted or reshared the service or checked in when they showed up on Facebook. And I saw it, and I thought, I never knew this church existed. And so we came and checked it out. 
Or when we have opportunities like next Saturday, we have our first Ignite Sports Outreach Clinic to our city. It's back. We told you it was coming back. That's one of the reasons Stephen joined our team. And out at the Bithlow Community Center, the entire East Orlando Babe Ruth Little League is already involved. Free to as many children want to show up is a free baseball clinic. One of our very own attenders and members, who's also a professional baseball pitcher, will be there. Players from UCF will be there. It's totally free. All you got to do is go tell your friends who like baseball with their kids, hey, my church is doing a free clinic. Go enjoy it. And then you just invite. Just invite. This past week, I, I went to, uh, to Chick-fil-A, because I do that every day. Amen. And uh, I, I told my, 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 my man there that I won't say his name here, but um, that, I, that checks me out all the time. I said, you need to come to church with me. You just need to come. He looked at me. I was like, are you involved in church? He's like, he started fumbling. Like, well, I used to, not, not as much. I said, listen, don't, don't like get anxiety because the pastor's asking you. Like, I just tell you, like, come check it out. I'd love to have you. When got my oil changed and my mechanics have attended here with, with their dad from time to time, I said, listen, we're celebrating 12 years. Come on, come back to church. Just invite as many people all the time. That's how we started this church. That's how we will continue this church because God's not done with us yet. Amen. This past week was vision week with our staff, meaning every pastor stood in front of our team and shared the vision for their ministry area, which many of you are involved in or need to get involved in. They knocked it out of the park. They put so much time and effort and thinking and prayer and strategy into where God's going to take us in 2022. I left there on cloud nine going, I can't wait for our church to experience all that God is putting in front of us. But you've got to take opportunity. You've got to get involved You've got to jump in. We were at the ministry center. We were talking about sports outreach to our city. We were dreaming about in 2024, what will it be like when we announce to our church, we're going to create Genesis Counseling Center for all of East Orlando. Oh An opportunity for those who are hurting and broken and seeking answers and needing counseling in their life, in their marriage, in their home, with their kids, to come to a place that will not only help guide them in the right direction, will give them biblical, godly truth in the process. God isn't done. When I moved here, I learned that there are over 2 million people in Orlando. At this current moment, there are 2.6 million people we are the vacation capital of the world. It has been dubbed in 2020, Orlando's been dubbed Boomtown because so many people are moving from other states to Orlando. It is growing rapidly. My, my wife's from a town of 5,000 people with one stoplight. So when I moved her to Atlanta and we moved here, like this city is massive. And when I drove around that day, that, that pastor said, just drive around through the neighborhoods, I saw the houses and I thought, man, there's a lot of people here. I'll give you a picture of it. If you live in a 32825 zip code, currently just in that zip code, there are over 61,000 people, over 20,000 households. That's 12 times larger than my wife's whole town in one zip code. If you, if you live in this 32828 zip code, there are 69,000 people, 22,000 
households. When we started this church in an elementary school, the principal looked across the desk at me and she said, don't let this place fool you. She said, over half the kids in our school are on free lunch because there's multiple families living in one house just trying to survive because they can't do it on their own. Sometimes you see the nice, big, beautiful houses and you drive around a city called City Beautiful and you forget it's filled with broken people. If you live in a 32820 zip code, you got a lot more space out there right now, but it's growing. 10,000 people, over 3,000 houses. If you live in the 32833 zip code, there's 9,000 people, over 3,300 households. If you're further south in the 32826 zip code, there are now already 35,000 people and over 7,500 households in an area that is exploding. And if you're just a little north in 32832, there's over 22,000 people, 11,300 households. There are some of you, you live in a different zip code. You don't even live in this one. The only reason I did these zip codes is this. They're all within a 10 to 20 minute driving distance. And in 10 to 20 minutes of where you sit here today, there are over 200,000 people, over 66,000 households, over 71,000 college students making it the largest, depending on the study, university in America. And yet 950 new people are moving here every single day. And as massive as that is, I pay attention to this fact, that there are almost 3,000 religious organizations in this city, and yet still almost nine out of 10 people woke up today and they didn't go to church. When you left your neighborhood today, almost nine out of 10 people didn't go to church. Maybe they don't want to. They've been burned by one. Maybe they just don't believe in it. Maybe they've never heard about it. Maybe no one's ever invited them. 200,000 people in 10 to 20 minutes from where we're sitting. As you've been coming in the last few weeks, there's a map in the, in the lobby. And we put that out there over the last few weeks and we asked you to push pin where you came from. And the reason was this. God, I'm just curious like when you sent my family and we were willing to give up everything, our family, all of our friendships, a, a, a salary position, benefits, we cashed in our retirement because God said, I want you to have beautiful feet and I want you to go to Orlando. And I drove around, I probably drive, drove around your neighborhood in your house and you didn't even know it in 2009. I tried to drive every street in East Orlando cried, prayed, had no idea that some of you would show up. Year one, some of you year four, some of you year eight, some of you not until a pandemic forced you to watch online and you said, what is this? And some of you, I just met a gentleman for his, his third time, just showed up in the first service for his third time. God, where do they come from? What are you doing? Who are you bringing together? And as I went out there this morning, I began to look at the push pins on the map. And there's a bunch in the state of Florida, and there's a bunch all over the states. 
Some of you are from different states, uh, from across the country. But then I begin to look down at the, the map, and I begin to look to the left and to the right, and I wanted to look at this. I want to look at where people come, even from around the world. And I begin to see a pushpin in the Bahamas, and a pushpin in Puerto Rico, and a pushpin in Honduras, and a pushpin in the, Philipp the Philippines, and a pushpin in Australia, and a pushpin in Germany, and a pushpin in the UK, and a pushpin in South Africa, and a pushpin in Italy, and a pushpin in Japan, and a pushpin in Mexico, and a pushpin in Brazil, and a pushpin in Canada, and I begin to say, oh my goodness. You have brought people from all around the world into this tiny little dot on a map in East Orlando surrounded by 200,000 plus people. And it's not by accident. It is by divine purpose that God has put you in this story in the last 12 years. And the reason that he has done it is because our best witness to this city must be our daily living. And God is looking at a church 12 years old, no matter how long you've been here, no matter how long you've been watching online. And he's saying, if you claim to follow me, then you know it's true. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. But they can't call if they don't believe, and they can't believe if they can't hear, and they can't hear unless you're willing to preach, and you can't preach unless you're saying, here am I, send me. I want beautiful feet that carry the good news of Jesus. Amen. And I believe in 2022, God is awakening our hearts. He is opening our eyes. He is opening our ears. He is reminding us that when you drive down your street every Sunday and gather with people who follow Jesus and you praise his name for rescuing you and saving you and mending you and putting you back together and saying all your brokenness, all your hurts, all your pains, all your struggles, you can bring them to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. All that I found, all I'm experiencing, all I'm learning, all I'm growing in, that neighbor needs it. That coworker needs it. My family member needs it. My kids need it. I need it. And Jesus is saying, but will you have beautiful feet? Will you lace them up? Will you lace them up because we've got a job to do? Will you lace them up? Tie them tight. Because we got a long journey, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be hard. And we're going to celebrate, and we're going to mourn. But we're going to come together, and we're going to see God do something in East Orlando that awakens revival in your neighborhood, in your workspace, with your coworkers, with your children, in your marriage, in your family. But you have to lace them up. And say, hey. Send me. Just send me. They call this the graveyard of church planning because so many churches showed up and didn't make it past three years. 
I humbly come before God always wondering, why did you allow us to get past that? You're not supposed to be here three years. You're not supposed to have more than 100 people. You'll be gone before any of that ever happens. And I believe with all my heart that when you're obedient to God, when you step into God's obedience, I don't care what man says. I don't care what statistics show you. When you obediently with beautiful feet step into the instructions of God, you can place your bet his promises will come true. You can place your bets that his promises are true. And for some of you today, before you leave this place, before you stop watching online, you need to look down. You need to look down at your shoes and ask yourself, am I going to lace them up? Am I going to carry the good news with a bunch of people to my city and around the world?